0: This is what it sounded like for that moment of truth for Colorado's new congressional map. In either for or against Coleman, staff plan three? Yes. Okay. It was minutes before the Registering Commission's midnight deadline. They'd been debating for hours, gone through six rounds of ranked choice voting, and it came down to this Kelly.
1: Aye. Leone. Aye. Shepard Macklin.
0: Aye. More. I shall. And with that, the state has a new congressional map. Well, pending court approval. Yes, pending court approval. And we're here to tell you all about it. This is Purplish from CPR News, a podcast about Colorado politics, policy, and redistricting. I'm Benta Berkland, and for this episode, I'm joined by CPR's public affairs editor, Megan Verlee.
1: hey yo We are recording this on Wednesday afternoon, September 29th, and since we were up until the very wee hours of the morning last night, this morning, I'm a little (laughs) little fuzzy trying to figure out what happened with this dang
0: map, I am here to say that I, at least, am punchy as hell. I'll I'll take that into consideration. (laughs) (laughs) Watch out. So... I think a lot of people are curious about what this map ultimately means for the state's political makeup and the members we're going to be sending to Washington, D.C. Well,
1: I think one thing to know is uh, that they are very likely the members we have right now in the seven existing seats because – Their political balance didn't change a whole lot. Uh, This map, the four seats held by Democrats right now still are four relatively safe Democratic seats or Mm -hmm. very strongly Democratic seats. The three seats that have Republicans in them right now are all safely Republican in this map. Now, the new district, the 8th district, was drawn as a very swingy district. There's a tiny, tiny lean toward Democrats. uh, And so that's going to be the district that all eyes are on in the next election election.
0: So it sounds like Colorado's current members of Congress all have a really strong chance of holding those seats. But the one person who looks like he could have a tougher reelection is Democratic Representative Ed Perlmutter. He's in the 7th Congressional District. And under this new map, that district includes all of Jefferson County and then a whole bunch of Central Mountain counties. Mm. But the district, even though it still leans Democratic, it's not as much as it currently does.
1: Yeah, this map that they approved last night, we're not going to take you through all eight districts. It does look fairly recognizable to the Mm -hmm. current congressional map, except for two districts that really changed a lot. Uh, The fifth district, which used to have a bunch of mountain counties, is now really just the west side of El Paso County, Colorado Springs and its suburbs. And then those mountain counties and a few extras got put into the seventh district. I think that's going to be really interesting for Perlmutter. He's this really constituent-focused kind of congressman, and he suddenly has new constituents with really different concerns than those suburbs he's been representing.
0: And let's briefly touch on Colorado's newest district, um, District 8, that we had talked about. It'll sit north of Denver along the I-25 corridor, and it includes parts of Commerce City, Greeley, Broomfield, parts of Arvada. This would be by far the most competitive congressional seat in the state.
1: Exactly. And I think it's pretty notable that through this whole process, Almost every map they looked at, I have to confess I didn't follow every single map, had the 8th district there. And I think that really speaks to the fact that there's been so much growth on that northern Front Range corridor that it just doesn't feel logical to put a a new district anywhere else because that's where the the new people are.
0: I'd say two things stand out. We've talked about it being the most competitive, and then also it would be the most diverse district in the state, close to 40 percent of the population identifying as Hispanic.
1: Yeah, there were some groups that were hoping to draw like a majority minority district, uh, and this one doesn't quite achieve that. But uh, between uh, the Latino residents and residents of other races, um, it is almost equally split between whites and and people of color, which I think could could make for some interesting electoral politics. Um, To go back really briefly on the competitive point, Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting. They sort of followed history on this because the last time Colorado got a new district, the seventh, which was like 20 years ago, they drew that to be a very competitive district. So I think there's this tradition of if you get a new district, try to politically balance it and then let it shake out over time.
0: Yeah. And I think depending on the outcome, obviously, of the election, this eighth congressional district could... Give the state a 4-4 split in the congressional delegation. Republicans and Democrats. Right, if, if a Republican Ooh. wins. And I talked to a Democratic political strategist, Ian Silveri, to get his take on the map and everything. And I'm very curious yes. to hear what he had to say. Well, his quote is, as a partisan operative, I would have liked six safe Democratic seats. Which makes sense. That makes sense. But Ian said in terms of realistic outcomes— That honored the state constitution, respected communities of interest, created a fair map. He said, quote, I think this gets pretty close. Huh. That is an
1: interesting take, because uh, as the commission was going through all of its work very late Tuesday night, I was, of course, also obsessively on Twitter Mm -hmm. and Twitter was full of uh, Democrats who were increasingly agitated by what this map was going to look like. Uh, you know, people saying, come on, we've got a Democratic governor, two Democratic senators. All the state offices are held by Democrats. How can we end up with a delegation that is evenly split or close to evenly split? Like, they really feel the Democrats gave up some power by going to a process that favors you know, a very politically middle-of-the-road map.
0: I mean, we may not get a 4-4 split, but... That's a good yeah, cap, yeah. But, but to your point, yeah, that, that it's even a possibility. And I've heard you mention this point.
1: Oh, yeah. So I have an obsession about this, which I actually vented on Twitter while I was watching all these people uh, being mad about the map. Actually, I saw that. <laughs>
0: and then you said... I may bring this up in purplish, so I was expecting you to bring this up.
1: Well, I also asked if anybody could prove me wrong, and nobody did. So now I'm going to to run through my theory, which is just simply that Democrats who are mad that there are not more Democratic, safe congressional districts in Colorado need to move out of Denver. Because hmm. uh, if you look at the political makeup of these districts, Democrats in Denver have a 57-point advantage wow. over Republicans. It's That's crazy. double the Republican advantage in the most Republican district mm-hmm. on this map. So basically, Democrats are throwing away a huge amount of electoral strength by packing into a city that always gets put in one district. Um, so frankly, if, if you are a listener who is a Democrat who wants to see more Democratic congressmen, either you're going to have to convince the redistricting commission in 10 years to break Denver in half or more, or you're going to have to convince a lot of Democrats
0: to move to the suburbs and rural areas. Democrats moved to the eastern plains from Denver, maybe. I mean, I would say it was never a discussion to split Denver. And one of the top criteria under the state constitution is to keep cities together. And I talked to plenty of Democrats from Denver who would take great issue with, you know, separating the state capital. Oh, exactly. Even if it meant more Democratic seats.
1: Well, yeah, think about it. You've got the mayor of Denver, who's powerful, who wants his city to stay whole. You've got Diana DeGette, who probably does not want her district split. And you do have past court precedent, even though there's a lot of argument about whether this new process has to take that into account. So, yeah, it's there's a Denver problem for Democrats on really almost any map.
0: So we mentioned that this map came down to the wire Tuesday night, and the commission agreed to this Tuesday midnight deadline because the map has to be submitted to the state Supreme Court on Friday. So they needed a little bit of time to process this paperwork. But they really took that
1: deadline seriously. Like they started at 6 p.m. and they seemed to really understand that they were going to be done one way or another by midnight. And so one way or another means either they were going to reach a supermajority on a map or they were going to give up and submit the staff's final congressional plan, which, as we talked about, uh, I think, in the last episode, is something they never wanted to do.
0: They did six rounds of voting and there was quite a bit of downtime between the votes because nonpartisan staff had to tally the ballots and see. Yeah, there were these complicated ranked choice ballots. That's right. And so during the the downtime, sometimes it was like a half hour. I had fun seeing them on Zoom, making small talk, talking about their exercise routines, the TV shows they watch. Um, gosh, the, a lot of them are going to, or some of them run marathons, and then even going into, like, how many siblings they had. You're oh, one you? of seven. All right, where are you in the birth order, Simon? I have to ask. Youngest. I you take a youngest. guess. Venture a guess. Yeah, the youngest, Simon. What's Bill's guess? I don't know. I'm one of seven, too. Uh, Now I have to think about which of my brothers you most remind me of.
1: (laughs) I kind of love that because it just reminds you, these are 12 volunteers. They're not elected officials. They didn't run for this. Like, they're human beings who have put in sort of an inhuman effort trying to get to this agreement. And you could really... You could feel both like their concern that they might not get there and kind of as the evening went on, tempers got frayed and people said some pretty snippy things to each other. But also like their great relief that whatever happened, this was like their last night that they were going to have to do something like this.
0: It really does point to the dedication of this commission. Uh, We've we've made calls from the hospital funerals side the road while we're sick (laughs) with screaming children. Uh, we've we've gone to great lengths to be here, so uh, kudos to all of you for the just the dedication to it all.
1: I was really amazed by how much they shifted around from from round to round of voting. So in the first ballot, um, one map, the, the actually the one that was picked finally got seven votes, which was one away from becoming the the final map. And we thought, oh, maybe this is going to be kind of fast. Mm-hmm. And then the next round of ballots comes, and they're all over the map. And then or. The maps, I should say.
0: (laughs) Figuratively Uh, and literally.
1: Exactly. And each round, like they would kind of they would explain their votes and they would try to persuade each other and people would just keep moving around. There was pretty late. I think actually maybe it was even like the final official ranked ballot. You had four for one map, four for another map, and four for a third map. And it was just this moment where I think everybody saw that result and was like, oh my God, what is happening?
0: I know. (laughs) Yes. And I think a lot of the discussion echoed things we'd heard over months of deliberation. So commissioners weighing how best to represent rural areas, Mm -hmm. ensure representation for different racial and ethnic communities, and whether to really reimagine much different political lines than we currently have by creating a southern Colorado district.
1: I was actually kind of surprised to see that that southern district was still in contention, really, all the way through the the rounds of voting. I mean, it's such a late stage. You would have thought they would have uh, like one unifying vision. And you didn't see that until the very, very end.
0: I remember a moment a little after 11 p.m., and the commission started considering a map that we had not prepared anything on yet.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God, we had not even thought about that. And I
0: just remember thinking, please, please, please don't adopt this map. Just for my personal sanity, I did not want to be up all night reworking the story. So my fingers were crossed. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, do we need to kind of start another Google Doc right now?
1: On the other hand, and I will say in the name of good coverage, uh, that final map that they sort of considered for a moment and then gave up on would have created three competitive districts. Uh, So I actually had a little like, wow, that would be some crazy
0: races to cover feeling. That would have been fun. It would have been.
1: But uh, it would have also been an even later night last night.
0: And at points, it did really look like they'd hit an impasse. We heard from the commissioners all along, though, that they wanted to approve a map. And they ultimately did select the map that was closest to the default that nonpartisan staff plan that would have been submitted if they didn't reach an agreement.
1: Something that was really clear watching those final minutes of the meeting, like the last 10, 15 minutes as the clock ticked down to midnight, was that it wasn't like they had this massive breakthrough and suddenly the 11 commissioners who ended up voting for that final plan just fell in love with it. It was much more a moment where they're like, ooh, we are not going to get to agreement." through debate. Here's a plan that is very similar to what's going to get adopted by default if we don't come to agreement. So let's all vote on it and put our stamp on it to show that this process worked.
0: I think you're right. They did feel a lot of pressure there and they only had minutes left.
1: Yeah. And backers of this way of doing things were so excited when they got to that final map. I was chatting with one in in direct messages and he's like, look at this. Republicans, unaffiliated, Democrats, they came together on this map. Nobody else in the country can do this. Like, I mean, this was this was a, a real football spike for people who wanted to see this process change.
0: I think we'll have fun watching around the country as other states are approving their maps and just seeing how things go.
1: Yeah. I mean, remember, in Colorado until now, in most other states, this is lawmakers and party operatives doing this in back rooms. Um, you know, to, to get to a map in public, even if it
0: was at times a messy process, uh, is, is a real departure. And we heard commissioners say that going across the state through all these public hearings, they saw communities they'd never been to. They heard from citizens about how people view their communities, and they learned so much. There were more than 5,000 online comments, more than 40 hearings. Unaffiliated Commissioner Jolie Bronner talked exactly, to your point, about how different this transparent process is compared to the alternative when you have state lawmakers drawing maps. She said, when you think of, like, smoky caucuses, those are gone.
1: And I feel like that's such an amazing piece to be part of it. And I feel like I'm part of a community. And in reading all of the comments, all over 5,000 of them, um, I would still keep reading them. I think it was so amazing how involved everyone was in this process. And I think it was really fantastic that we got to be part of this first group that had the public more involved in this process than they've ever been before. And I think that's something we should really celebrate.
0: That was something that definitely stood out to me, that despite the countless hours and, yes, yeah, sometimes some really difficult conversations. How many commissioners said they would do this all again?
1: I am shocked by that. <laughs> Just shocked. <laughs> now, they might not actually even be done because uh, the next step in this is the map goes to the state Supreme Court. And groups that don't like it, that don't feel that it landed on the, the right places or fulfilled the, the constitutional criteria, they can challenge it. Should the justices agree with any of those challenges, the map goes right back to the commission. They go right back on Zoom, and we get to do even more of this.
0: You'll get a bonus, bonus... Bonus? Purplish episode. Whee! That's it for this episode. Purplish is a production of member-supported Colorado Public Radio. Learn about becoming a member and join today at CPR.org. I'm Benta Berkland with my colleague, Megan Verlee. So it's Benta here back for just a second, right after we finished recording this episode. It sounds like we will have some groups that will challenge this map in court. Latino groups in particular are saying that this map doesn't follow communities of interest and that the map won't ensure equitable political representation. So we will definitely be following those briefs and see what comes of this. This is Purplish from CPR News.